Romans chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 1. Romans the 10th chapter and the first verse. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. I just I think as we come to this, we've already looked at it somewhat last week, but we know people who have something um, of a zeal for God or a zeal of God, uh, but not according to knowledge. I was hoping that wasn't on earlier. <laughs> Verse 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So there's an end to the law. They made the law an end in itself. The end to the law is it being our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. That's the end of the law. That's the purpose of the law. They made the law an end in and of itself going about to establish their own righteousness, being ignorant of God's righteousness, being Christ, who is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You know, you you think about, um, I'll say this and then we'll pray, but um, you, you think about they were resting in the law. They were making their boast in the law. Uh, you and I have made our rest in Christ. There's where our rest you know, is. Our rest isn't in keeping the law. Our rest is in that Christ has fulfilled the law for all of us. Um, you know, we are complete. You know, we didn't sing that hymn this morning, but we are complete in him, completely justified in the sight of God, completely righteous in the sight of God. Uh, our sins completely atoned for. Um, our rest is in him, like Hebrews 4 uh, verses 9 through 11 says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, and this would be the rest in the sense that we're talking about it in Christ, has also ceased from his own works. Think about that in reference to the law. They hadn't ceased from their own works because they were going about to establish their own righteousness, right? He also had ceased from his own works as God did from his. What would that be? The creation, the seventh day. Um, verse 11 says, "Therefore, or let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Um, and, and it is a place that we sometimes have to, have to uh, bring ourselves back to, in a sense, and labor to enter back into when we get into that place where we think that it's about what we do or don't do is what our salvation is, consists of. But our salvation doesn't consist in what we have done, but in what Christ has done. And he says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And that would be like the children of Israel, you know, in the wilderness. And they failed um, because of their unbelief. But we have a rest. There, there remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. Where is our rest? Our rest is Christ. We rest in Christ and in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again as we come before your presence and, and uh, open your word and we ask that you would open, Father, our understanding, that you would open our ears and our eyes, um, help us to see uh, wonderful and marvelous things, Father, out of your word this morning, 
that you would um, help us to know, uh, help us to understand, help us to be doers um, and not just hearers. Um, help us not to let the things that we hear uh, slip, uh, easily slip from our understanding, easily slip from our, uh, our thoughts, uh, but let us think upon these things. Um, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you'll remember the last time we were in Romans 10, we discussed the Jews having a zeal of God, but not according uh, to knowledge. And we, we talked about Saul of Tarsus, um, presently the Apostle Paul, but formerly Saul of Tarsus. Uh, we spoke about his life and what that zeal amounted to. And it amounted to the persecution of the church, uh, breathing out threatenings and railings against the church. Um, R.C. Sproul had a, a, a quote that I, I wrote down here. He says, a fanatic. That's what Saul of Tarsus would have been. Uh, that's what all these people you know, were going about to establish their own righteousness. These people, these Jews, Israel was about going about to establish their own righteousness uh, according to the law. A fanatic is somebody who loses sight of where he is going but redoubles his efforts to get there you know and that that is a, that would be a zeal in a wrong way uh, a, a false kind of a zeal uh, he went on to say he's full of zeal but he has no knowledge or understanding of of that for which he is zealous um, i think a lot of people you know in our day could could be could follow you know certainly fall into that category absolutely fall into that category i mean you think about the mob mentality that happens sometimes you think about what's happening in some of the cities in our country you know right now and there's a lot of people out there that are zealous for whatever's happening they don't really know what but they're there they're a part of it and you know they're redoubling you know their their efforts you know so to speak but um to get there um but you know that was that was Saul of Tarsus he was he was zealous in that sense, you know, b- before the Lord um, arrested his thoughts, uh, before the Lord gave him a new heart, uh, before the Lord, um, you know, intervened into his life. Uh, that was that was him. <clears throat> and I would say of that person um, that he works and he works and he has no rest. I mean, you think about the conscience of that person. It, it It's they know they're not right with God. They have no rest. There's no rest for them. Uh, but there is a rest for the people of God. There's a rest for you. There's a rest in Christ. Uh, if we don't know um, God in Christ, then, then we can have no rest. There will be no rest, you know, for that person. Um, you can work and work and redouble your efforts. But apart from Christ, there is no peace with God. And really, if a person doesn't have peace with God, do they really have rest? I mean, what kind of rest are we talking about here? Um, last night, you know, I, I came home after, you know, working during the day, and, and I laid down, and I rested physically. We're talking about soul rest here. There's no rest for the soul. Um, I'll mention, you know, Sister Carolyn and I were talking about this at the at the table um, Thanksgiving, uh, during Thanksgiving uh, meal, but... Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I was making it a point to, to look at that verse from the, from the standpoint of these of Israel, these Jews that were laboring. Uh, they were trying to keep the law, and the law wasn't given for that purpose. They were laboring to keep the law. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Think about the person who's, who's under 
um, conviction of sin. Um, the, the, the Pharisee and the publican, the publican smiting himself upon the breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Here I've got this great sin burden. Um, it's Pilgrim's Progress and Christian with the burden upon his back. He comes to the cross and it, it rolls off. He, he wants to be rid of it all, all the, the while he's trying to get. You know, he's come from the city of destruction um, and he's been, he's been reading God's word and his burdens come upon him and he's looking for a place of, 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 of escape from the destruction that he's in, from the condemnation that he's under and he comes to the foot of the cross and, and that burden rolls off of his back you know, into the sepulcher of itself. Um, you know, faith in Christ and, and our rest that we have in Christ and our, our sins are gone. Uh, that's rest. Uh, that's the kind of rest that we're talking about here. The Lord's talking about here. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your what? Souls. I mean, that's what I was talking about before when I said this is the rest we're talking about is soul rest. Uh, a person can rest physically. You know, the rest of the laboring man, the scripture says, is sweet. You know, he labors all day long. And then, then he goes to bed at night. And it's, it's a sweet thing to lay his head upon the pillow after working, after a hard day's work, you know. Uh, but here we're talking about the rest of the soul. Uh, we're talking about the rest of a person. There's, there's just one part of a person, physical rest. What is that rest going to do for a person in hell? Nothing. You know, but we're talking about rest for the soul. You know, here, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for you unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, you know, he has kept the law. He has fulfilled all righteousness. You know, he has redeemed us from the curse. You know, we, we, we have rest in him. Uh, it, 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 and, and living unto him and for him and to glorify him, that is an easy, easy yoke. And bur- compared to the law, and, and, and the, the scripture says, you know, if anybody's going to be justified by the law, you've got to keep all of it and you've got to keep it all always. Well, the problem is we've all broken it. Uh, we haven't kept it to begin with, and we couldn't, if even from we started from today, we couldn't keep it from here going forward perfectly. I mean, it's not, if the slate could be cleaned and we could start from today, start over, we couldn't keep it. Uh, that's, that's some labor there. That's some doing and doing and doing uh, and never finding, you know, real, real rest. So the Christian, though, has an anchor for his soul, an anchor that is sure and steadfast. Uh, that anchors Christ. He is our rest. He is our acceptance before God. He is our righteousness. He is our justification. He is our redemption. He is our surety. Uh, He's the sacrifice for our sins and our hope of heaven. The soul of the Christian has found its rest in Christ. We sing a hymn. We didn't sing it this morning, but it's, My faith has found a resting place. It's not in device, you know, or creed. Um... I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. And it goes on to sing the chorus, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. I need no other plea before God. Um, you know, I, I have a rest in Christ. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. But the Pharisee pursued righteousness and, and he never could obtain it. Uh, he couldn't obtain it. We can see that in Scripture, can't we? We see the rich young ruler. He runs and then run before the Lord. He comes before the Lord and and he says, um, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, there was something nagging. 
you know, there. There was something that just hadn't quite set, you know, with him, hadn't quite settled, you know, there. what must I do to inherit eternal life? There was a question there. There was a nagging question. And the Lord says, well, you've got to keep the law. Again, what was the law's end? To show us that we haven't kept it, that we don't have any righteousness of our own, that we need the righteousness of another. And he said, well, I've kept all those things from my youth. What lack I yet? He knew there was something that he liked. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. I mean, there, you know, in and of itself is, is covetousness and it went, went away very sorrowful, the scripture says. Um, so the Pharisee pursued after righteousness, but he never could obtain it, though he sought after it diligently. You think Paul didn't seek diligently after it? I mean, the Pharisees, they sought after it diligently. Um, they sought the scriptures um, and they and they sought to keep the law, and they sought to establish their own righteousness, um, but they never could obtain it. They misread, they misunderstood uh, these things, um, but they boasted in it. They made their boast, you know, in the law. Uh, Paul said in Romans three twenty seven, "Where is boasting? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith." Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So we, we know where our justification comes from. We know where our rest comes from. We know where our acceptance comes from before God. And our rest is only found in Christ, not in the deeds of the law. And it's easy to point our fingers at those people, isn't it? And say, well, that's what they were trying to do. But can you not tell me that there has not been a time in your life where you may have found yourself sort of in the same sort of thought process and pattern, you know, to where Paul would have had to come to you just like to the Galatians and say, oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You know, you, you, you began by faith, you're going to finish by works. And how many people, and I've mentioned this in previous messages, how many people have trouble, you know, they, they get into some kind of a, of a trouble and they, they lack assurance and they begin to think it's about their performance somehow, you know, and they, and they think that it's because I've done, th- I've done this, therefore I can't be saved. Uh, well, it's not about what you've done or haven't done. It's about what Christ has done. You know, our faith has found a resting place in Him, not in what I can do or what I have not done, but what He has done. And not only what He has done for me, but what He has done in me. You know, we were talking this morning about um, the Lord talking to the, the Israelites and telling them that they were slaves or servants of sin and that He was the one that was able to set someone that was in that condition free. And that's where you and I are. I mean, we've been brought into a place where we have been set free from sin. I'm talking about sin's dominion. I'm talking about going about and, 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 and that's what we live for. And that's what we were slaves unto and servants unto. We talked about that this morning. We found rest in Christ. We've been delivered, you know, from that. I mean, it's not that we don't seek to do the deeds that are in the law. I mean, we look at the law and we say the law is good. We say the law is holy. We say the law is just. We, we, we say those are the things that we ought to do and we ought not to do, you know, that are contained within the law. But we know, again, that our justification, we found a rest. Our justification is not in our keeping or not keeping uh, the law. We rest in Christ alone. And that was the place that this man that we're talking about that had a false zeal and is the place that he came to. And we read this passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it to you again. We read it last week, Philippians 3, 9. You know, here's the man who sought to find, you know, peace and sought to find rest in keeping the law, and he could not find it. And he cast all those things away, and he counted them but loss. 
And he says in Philippians 3, 9, Now, finding my rest in Christ, he says, that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, because that was his former life, was establishing his own righteousness, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That is the measure. That is what he, seek, he sought to live by. The just shall live by what? Faith. It's, it's faith. It's the righteousness which is of God by faith. We know that he's the measure by which we seek to live. I mean, our greatest example is Christ in everything. I mean, we see how Christ responded to you know, those who hated him. I mean, there he was hanging upon the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not, you know, what they do. I mean, he is the greatest example for us. I'm to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, so he's the greatest example that we have. Um, And by any measure, he is that by which we seek to live. Anything less is short of the glory of God. He's the fulfillment of our measure before God. He is our rest. He has fulfilled everything completely for us. Our righteousness, our rest, our peace, our hope, our assurance. But when righteousness and true holiness appeared, and we saw it this morning, didn't we? They said, we are Abraham's seed. And he said, if you were the children of Abraham, you wouldn't seek to kill me. Abraham didn't do these these works. This is not what Abraham sought to do. Um, But they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Uh, When the righteousness and true holiness appeared before them, when righteousness and true holiness appeared before them, what did they seek to do? He says, you seek to kill me. That's what they sought to do. Their reliance was not upon faith in Christ, but in legalistic principles. Um, Doing this, doing that, doing, 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 always doing. It was a false zeal whereby they sought to obtain their own righteousness. They sought to earn their way to heaven. You know, how many people do we know that they live like that? They, they're seeking to earn their way to heaven, whether it's what they give or what they do um, or what somebody else has done, not Christ, uh, because some of us know someone that's, they say that because of something that somebody else did secured their place in heaven. I'm thinking that's, and it was their grandmother, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. Um, they sought to earn their way to heaven by works which they had done, not by the works of Christ. So if we have arrived at the knowledge that Christ is the end of the law, what a, what a place of peace, what a place of rest. Uh, you understand what escaped them. You understand what escapes a lot of people, finding your rest in Christ because they worked and they labored but they did not enter into that rest so you know where do these things you know find us this morning you know as we're talking about rest where does that that thought find us this morning have we entered into that rest do we have rest do we have peace with God um, we ought to be asking ourselves what are we resting in uh, is, is, is a great question what are you resting in this morning what am I resting in this morning what is my hope in this morning um, if it's not in Christ, it's in vain. Uh, there's, there's nothing else, you know, for us. You've missed it. You just like them. If it's, if it's not in Christ, um, they did miss it. They sought righteousness by works of the law. Uh, but again, the law was not given for that purpose. Romans three twenty says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. 
<clears throat> for by the law is the knowledge <clears throat> sin of sin, excuse me. But how many are there that are in you know that place? I mean, there are plenty all around us. And here of those people, what is Paul saying? My prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. Saved from thinking that you can establish righteousness before God by what you do. Saved from thinking that it's because you give to this charity or that charity or because you go to this place or that place or because you do this thing or that thing that you can establish righteousness before God that you somehow can get into God's favor, get on God's good side, that you've earned your way you know, to heaven some sort of fashion. Uh, how many are there that are like that? I mean, how many faiths are there, quote-unquote? How many religions, in other words, are there around us that everything is built on that sort of a mentality that is by what you do? It is by what you do or what you do not do that you enter into heaven. That's works. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. Um, by grace you're saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift, you know, of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So, me telling you that your salvation is in Christ, that you found a rest in Christ. I mean, you you hear that and you're like, yes, that's absolutely. I'm, I'm, that's I agree. I'm, but that is something. Be thankful. I mean, here we're we're in this season of of Thanksgiving that we celebrate this. This, uh, this time, you know, for what God has, has done for us, given unto us, this time of thanksgiving, um, you know, if we're not thanking him, who are we thanking? I mean, what's the whole, what's the purpose, you know, in it? I mean, who are we giving thanks to? You know, the grocery store? You know, we're going to give thanks to the, to the, the baker or to the butcher, you know, gonna, um, you know, those types of people? No. Um, you know, where are all these things? I mean, you understand that, but you understand that escapes a lot of people, even that, that basic premise escapes a lot of people during this time. Um, they're, they're just thankful to nothing. You know, I'm just thankful. You know, it, it just, that's it. They, they're, they're, they're zealous, you know, maybe to, to have Thanksgiving dinner. You know, maybe, maybe they're in some of these states where they were being told that you can't gather together and they were going to do it anyway. Uh, well, were they gathering together to be thankful to God or were they just gathering together to be thankful? You know, for what? Um, you're thankful to who? Uh, thankful to what end? Thankful to what purpose? Um, I mean, what's the whole point in, in, in this holiday? You know, um, what's the end of this thing? Understanding that is something that escapes many. Uh, understanding that we have, that understanding that you have, that you have rest in Christ escapes, you know, many. The just, those justified before God, they live by faith in Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's rest. I mean, can't you just hear the rest, you know, in, in that? I mean, this is the, Paul speaking there in Galatians. He's talking about the rest that he's found uh, there in Christ. Um, that before... He was doing and doing and doing and doing and doing, and there was no rest. But he had come unto him, and he had found rest uh, unto his, his soul. Um, you know, there are a lot of sincere religious people who are wrong in their beliefs. 
They're wrong in their premises. They're wrong from the start. Their end is going to be wrong because they they have a zeal of God, but not according to uh, knowledge. This knowledge, this thing that I'm telling you that you take, maybe even take for granted, I mean, a lot. I mean, this this thing that we have that we're talking about, this rest that we have in Christ. I mean, I think a lot of we could say, if we're honest with ourselves, that we do take it for granted a lot. Um, that we're not as thankful, you know, for what God's done for us as we ought to be. Um, and the Lord brings us around to certain conditions and situations that cause us to be thankful as we ought to be. Um, but we're not as thankful as we should be, you know, a lot of the time. Because uh, we don't think on these things. We're, we're thinking upon other things, um, you know, a lot of times. But these are the things that we ought to be thinking on as much as we can. Um, thinking upon the rest that we have in Him. Because the wrong kind of zeal is always busy doing. It's the Pharisee. I pay tithes. I fast. I do this. I do that. It's confident in itself. And it's restless. It's living in its own activity. It's always seeking to produce something, righteousness. They were seeking to establish righteousness, but they never could. They're always lacking. Always things are, they're, 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 they're feeding this frenzy about doing something. It's like being whipped up from outside, uh, this doing, this organization, um, this excitement, this self-confidence. Um, I must do something. Restless in its own activity, uh, not able to find a rest, got to be busy doing something, producing something. You know, they were seeking to do that, but they could not, they could not produce the righteousness that God would, would accept and receive. Uh, they had fallen short of the glory of God like we all have and did not understand what you do, that our rest is in Christ. Second Timothy 3 and verse 5, Paul says they had a form of what? Godliness had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof, ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. I mean, doesn't that fit, you know, what we're talking about here with those who have not found rest in Christ? Uh, ever, ever learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, a false zeal, that was, you know, Saul of Tarsus. Uh, made its boast in the knowledge of the law, like he says in Romans chapter 2, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and you rest in the law, and you make your boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that thou thyself art a guide unto the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge, and of the truth in the law. They had a form of godliness. They had a form of knowledge. They were ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. They were self-confident. And that's false zeal. It's self-confident. It's confident in itself and what it can do. That's a false sort of zeal. A true zeal is, is confident in Christ and what Christ has done for us. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. You know, that would have been the Pharisee. And look what I know. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Look what, I, what, I, uh, what I've attained unto. He said, I came not unto you in excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. In other words, he didn't come in self-confident zeal, boasting of how much he knew. For I determined not to know anything among you, 
mean, what would he have been saying before? He would have been teaching how that you establish righteousness by keeping the law. But he says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's much different than the zeal of the self-confident Pharisee. Paul says now, he says, I would have nothing known among you except Christ and him crucified. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the once zealous Pharisee who set about to know the law and find his righteousness in the law, now in true zeal seeks to know Christ and Christ alone and the power of his resurrection, wanted to be found in him, not having righteousness of the law, but righteousness which is by faith in Christ. So a zealous person in a false sort of zeal, he works himself into a frenzy and never attains anything. Ever attaining but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Yet those who have a true zeal, you know, for Christ have found their rest, you know, in him. So have we found this rest? Do we, do we know this soul rest we're talking about, this rest in Christ, ceased from our own works that we read about before? as God did from him, his, and found our rest in Christ and Christ alone. I can assure you that those that are outside of Christ have no peace, have no rest, regardless of what they might say. They have no peace and they have no rest. How can I say that? Well, Isaiah 57 tells me the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. That's what the wicked are like, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Verse 21 says, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There is no peace for them. But for you that are in Christ, there's peace. There's rest. My soul has found, my faith has found a resting place. It's in Christ and in Christ alone. It's not a complacent. I mean, you think about the word rest, and you think that's kind of a complacent position, isn't it? You're kind of like laid back, resting. Well, that's, that's, we're talking about a rest in a sense that way, but not... And that's not the only, you know, we found a rest in, in Christ, but it's not a complacent rest. It's this, this rest that we have still works, but it's not dependent upon works for its salvation or its justification. A true and a right zeal has a burden like Paul does here in Romans 10.1. My prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So it has a burden. It's not a zeal that's worked up outside, though. It has to do and do and do and never really gets anywhere. Um, I had a cousin that when he was younger that I can, I never did really realize it until my parents mentioned it, but it was like he would start running and he would never get anywhere. I mean, it was like, I mean, almost like his feet were slipping underneath him, you know, just never cut, quite got going, you know. Um, but it's like they run and run and run and it's like running in place and never getting anywhere. I mean, you think about people running on a treadmill. I mean, they are running, but they're never really getting anywhere, um, you know, physically. But, but um, you know, they're, they're working and working and working. It's, 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 it's a knowledge in the mind that they're working towards. But there's not really anything, you know, coming from, from the heart because the heart's dead in trespasses and sins, you know. Um, but they're, they're busy doing, and it's all coming from the outside is my point. Whereas for you, you know, you have this rest that you found and this work that God has done is not from without, it's from within. This comes from within <clears throat> and what you're, what you're busy about is just being what God's called you to be. Being what God's called you to be in this rest that you found, you know, in Christ. Um, 
being what you are, being what God's called you to be. In Romans six seventeen and 18, Paul says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. You know, this, they had this knowledge, but it wasn't, it wasn't heart knowledge, it was head knowledge. I'm talking about the Pharisees. You obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. And it's an easy yoke. And it's a light burden. I mean, we, we desire to do those things that are right in the sight of God. They're, they're not cumbersome to us. They're not drudgery to us. I mean, that's what we want to be. We want to be who we are. You know, we, we, we long for the day when we're rid of this flesh. We long to be what God's called us to be. We long to be in that place where righteousness only dwells. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And I'm getting to this point that, that plays into what we're talking about here to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Can anybody finish that? A peculiar people zealous of good works. There's the right zeal. It comes from within, and it's just a matter of being what what God's made us. You know, being what God's called us to be in one sense, but but being what God's made us to be, uh, being what God's created us to be. You know, we are a new creature in Christ. We are a new race of people um, that God has made a peculiar people, it says, zealous of good works. Yeah, I was thinking about this passage in, in uh, Psalm 37 and uh, 4 and 5 that says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. What do you think that, that sounds like to the world? You know, what do you, what do you think that, that's interpreted by the natural man to being? Delight thyself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Stuff. I get stuff, you know. And, and aren't, there, aren't there people that preach that, you know? Um, you know, it's just, it's all prosperity, you know. Uh, it's a prosperity gospel. You know, God's going to give you stuff, uh, whatever you want. You, you, you set your heart on that Cadillac out there. No offense, brother, I know you have one. Um, you know, maybe we should use another, another car. Uh, used to, that was the epitome, wasn't it, a Cadillac? You know, now, and you know, whatever, uh, um, I guess what would the, um, I don't, there's other cars I don't want to use because some of y'all have them. <laughs> a Tesla, no, nobody has a Tesla, you know. Maybe that's the epitome, you know, or, or one of these big, you know, diesel, uh, you know, RVs or whatever, uh, or a big house or uh, a title of some sort or lands or whatever it may be. That that's what that means to people is that they get stuff. They get those things. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Verse 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. For you, now we're not talking about what the natural man thinks about this. We're talking about you and what you think about it. Because in, the, in, in, in your past, you may have thought about it a little bit that way, the way you think about it. Oh, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, so, so well, this, maybe this means that if I delight myself in the Lord, that he'll give me some of this stuff. Well, what kind of stuff is the Lord going to give you? He's going to give you right desires. That's what he's going to give you. And, and, and here's, what's, what's a right desire to look like in Romans chapter 10, verse 1? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Let me throw a little bit of an illustration in here for you. George Mueller prayed for 
two childhood friends for 60 years. And somebody, you know, toward that end of that 60 years, why are you still praying for these people? You know, and why would you pray for somebody for 60 years? How could you pray for somebody for 60 years? How could you faithfully pray for somebody for 60 years? How would that happen? It's, it's by the Lord giving you that burden. I mean, you're not going to pray for somebody that diligently for 60 years unless, unless you know, that were the case. Um, you know, I, and I think one of those men were converted at his funeral from the message that was preached. And the other one was maybe a year or so later. Um, but his, his reply to that person was that if the Lord's given me a burden to pray for this person, that I have a hope that the Lord's going to do something in that person's life. He never saw it come to a fruition you know, in, 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 in this life. But he'll know it to be true, you know, in, in the life to come. All he knew was God's given me a burden to pray for these people, you know, for 60 years. That's a long time to pray for somebody, you know, um, 60 years. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live. What was George Mueller living by? Faith. Faith. Resting in God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Um, you know, false zeal can do and do and do and no avail. But here we're talking about true rest and resting in him. Lord, I can't save this person, but you can. Uh, my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I can't convert them, but you can. That's rest. Here we're working we're praying towards this person's salvation. You know, we're, we're trying, we're, we're even praying perhaps when we're in their midst, Lord, turn this conversation into such, in such a way that it would, would be something useful to bring them to an understanding, you know, of you. Um, maybe we've had the same conversation with them over and over again. I've heard stories of, of, uh, of children that were raised you know, in, in uh, their, their father maybe was the pastor of the church. They were raised in church. They heard the gospel, you know, all their lives. And, you know, they, they get to be an adult and they're like, I still don't understand the gospel. You know, I, I don't think perhaps, you know, perhaps it was that the, maybe the true gospel wasn't being preached. I don't know. But let's just say that it was. And they still don't understand. You know, here their father was, you know, preaching the true gospel to them Sunday after Sunday and probably throughout the week too. You know, speaking these things to them, uh, and yet they did not. I, I can't make them understand, but he can. You know, I have I have a place here. I've got this person. I've got a burden for this person's salvation, and I can't make them see. I can't make them believe. I can't make them understand. And I could work myself into a frenzy, couldn't I, over that situation? When what I really need to be doing is resting in Him. There, there's there's a real zeal. You know, the false zeal would be doing and doing and doing and doing and doing. You know, the real zeal that Paul has here for God is my prayer to God for Israel. The real resting place is my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The just shall live by faith, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And here... George Mueller was diligently seeking for the salvation of these men, childhood friends, um, and knew that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him um, and knew that he couldn't have had a burden for these men all those years if God hadn't put it upon his heart uh, because, I mean, we're just going to give up more than likely otherwise. Um, 
you know, but God putting a burden upon his heart, he took that as God's doing something here. God's going to do something here. And though it took 60 years for it to happen, um, he did. And though he never saw it, uh, God did. So we, we know where our rest is. We know where true rest is. It's not in what we can do, but in what God can do. Um, that, there's, that's what we're pursuing. It, it's, it's for God to do. Because what God is going to do, what God's done in you can't be undone. If you're his, that can't be undone. If you belong to him, that cannot be undone. He's begun a good work. He's going to complete it. That cannot be undone. So we know what God does is not going to be undone. We know that God's grace is not going to be frustrated regardless of what the person's attitude is. I mean, we had a Saul of Tarsus here that was converted into the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament unto us. So God's grace is not going to be frustrated. That's the place that we can rest. That is true rest. That's where Paul's resting here. He's resting in the ability of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, people that were that it hated him that he was praying for that they might be saved it's one thing to pray for a family member that that you care about and that has some affection for you uh, but here these were people that were his enemies um, for, in large part uh, were his enemies they weren't just his countrymen um, they were people that were persecuting him and his he had a burden to pray for him he, he had a burden if you if you read through you know, the New Testament, you can see what a burden he had to preach unto them. Uh, he wanted to preach unto them. Uh, how he would go into the, to, into the cities that he went to and go to the synagogue, you know, first and seek to preach unto them. And that's what got him in most, in most of the trouble he got into, you know, was doing that. But he had a burden for them. A lot of people would say, you know what, I'm going to avoid that. Uh, I'm just going to save myself the misery. Um, but he couldn't have rested there, could he? Now, God had given him a burden for Israel, so he couldn't rest there. Though it cost him, he was going to go. Uh, his rest was in, you know, just like you were talking about earlier, you know, about how that someone does something unto us, and it's the flesh easily wants to retaliate, you know, but there's no rest in retaliation for us. There's no rest in vengeance for us. Because God says, you know, the Lord says unto us, vengeance is mine, say the Lord, I'll repay. That's not for you. You don't take that up. That's not your work. That's mine. I'll repay. You know, your work is... Pray for. I mean, here this man had a burden for people who did not like him, burden for people who threw stones at him, uh, burden for people who imprisoned him. Um, where does that come from? That has to come from above. We don't possess that naturally. Uh, that has to come from God. Uh, so, you know, there was, there was, there is a rest for the people of God. We rest in Him, in whom we are complete in. Let's stand. Have you found your rest in Christ? If you haven't, there's a rest to be found, you know, in Him.